Welcome to the Hot Takes Podcast, where we're always seeking to be humble, open, and transparent. We have another great one for you today, so please be ready to be inspired, encouraged, and ready to take action. Here we go. Buckle up. It's going to be a wild ride. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Hot Takes Podcast, where we're always seeking to be humble, open, and transparent. And today I have another leader, another coach, another veteran uh, who's ready to rock the mic uh, with some awesome golden nuggets for you to use today uh, to increase what you're doing out there in the world. I have Mr. Curtis Smith. How's it going, sir? It is going well. No complaints. Uh, loving the weather. It's actually nice outside, so we don't have a bunch of rain coming down, so that's a good sign. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, Curtis, tell people a little bit about yourself, where you're from in the world, um, and a little bit of your background before we get into things. All right. Well, uh, so I'm from the great state of Ohio, uh, and uh, essentially, so I, I spent seven years in the Navy, uh, and then after getting out of the Navy, I became a corporate coach, uh, and then after leaving my role as a corporate coach, I became an executive advisor to a CEO. And then 2017, I started my company to the executive panel. Uh, and I am a uh, master certified executive coach. So in executive coaching, I work with organizations and individuals essentially in a myriad of different arenas that surround the topic of leadership development. Uh, so that can be the typical executive slash career coaching assignment uh, where I'm working directly with an individual, whether it's uh, an individual that has sought me out or an organization that has sought me out to work with uh, somebody in their organization, be a high potential or somebody that's you know, a more established executive uh, and working with them to basically build specific skill sets or to try to work on certain mindset strategies uh, or to just kind of concentrate on certain things that, you know, they might have to prepare for. So as part of a succession planning. Uh, and then on the other side of that with leadership development, of course, you have leadership development programs, uh, looking at, you know, trying how to design and how to implement those leadership development programs. Uh, and then, of course, for organizations, uh, a lot of times one of the most difficult things for them to do is to actually isolate and figure out, okay, who are our high potentials? Now that we know who the high potentials are, then how do we basically groom them? How do we get them into the, the succession planning and, and make sure that we have uh, the right talent at the right place at the right time? Uh, and so I work with a lot of organizations trying to, to work on that specific uh, element uh, within their organization is, is trying to figure out who are the high potentials and then what are the things that need to happen in order for them to be ready? Uh, because like I said, getting the right talent, the right place, the right time, uh, and that can be done. That can be foreseen. That can be something that you can plan for, but you have to make sure you're looking at the right thing. So that's what I help organizations do in that front. Uh, and then, of course, from a career support side, I work with executives. I work with established leaders, uh, basically focusing on their brand as well as their exit strategies. Uh, so that can be executive resume writing. It can be looking at their LinkedIn profiles, making sure that those are updated and optimized uh, so that they can actually have more visibility so that they're showcasing themselves appropriately. 
And then of course, uh, on the other side of that is the exit strategy. So helping professionals better understand a, what is an exit strategy for them? Uh, what are the, the elements that they want to make sure that they have, uh, you know, ready to go when it comes time for them to leave their, their normal nine to five career atmosphere. Uh, and then of course, you know, what is the storyline? How are they looking to showcase themselves after that? You know, what is, you know, what is helping them to stay relevant? What is helping them to stay active? Nice, 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 nice. So, so as folks can see in here, um, Curtis is pretty extensive in the background and <laughs> he is able to provide. Um, and, and you said, you said some things that, that on some, you know, previous episodes, my, my love and hate uh, relationship with the term high potential. Um, because coming from the world uh, that we come from in the military is, is you're either trained or not. Um, mm -hmm. and, and everybody's in the pool to be next, right? There's the, it's the next man, next woman up mentality um, that we've, we've grew up with. Um, and so on this side of life, and some of the things that you've seen since you've separated from service, um, why is uh, there's such emphasis put on programs like high potential programs? You know, I, I think the reality is, is that because currently there's just a huge leadership gap, if we're going to be honest. Uh, you know, a lot of the leadership that has existed and is currently exiting, you know, uh, a lot of the organizations, it seems as though what I have found, you know, in talking with leadership teams and talking with other executives is that the mentality that was taken is this, it's this mentality that is around information consumption. It's not about collaboration. It's not about passing that information along uh, because everybody has become so concerned with making sure that they're looking out for their own career, you know, that they're able to get to that next level. Uh, and even in the military that, I mean, that was evident, you know, when you're trying to make sure that your performance evaluations are going to be on par, you want to get that EP, not the MP, you know, you want to make sure that, that, you know, especially when you get to certain pay grades and you're going against, every last single person in that pay grade at your command. Uh, and then you get to other pay grades and then it's <laughs> every pay grade in the Navy or in the Marine Corps, or, you know? And so it's, it's essentially this ideology that has somehow leaked its way into leadership that allows them to believe that they're doing right by the company by just making sure that they're okay and that they're able to do what they're there to do because they're the ones that are the talent. They're the high performing talent. They're the ones that are getting the big paychecks. So it's up to them to make sure that they're doing what they can to, to make sure everything is good to go. But they then neglect the people that they're afraid will just take them over, push them out, you know, because they're younger, they have different ideas, they have different concepts, you know, and somebody's going to end up liking one of them. And so now they're, they're afraid of them, essentially. And that leadership gap creates a huge conflict for a lot of people. So that's why the discussion around high potentials has become so prevalent, because if we don't talk about high potentials, if we don't properly start managing the succession planning, then unfortunately, those high potentials will go by the wayside. And that talent will never come to fruition, which can be extremely detrimental to our organizations. Yeah, yeah. And, and 
And one of the things that that I, I really love around, around that explanation is is really that that uh, idea of for so long the promotion of the island of excellence or that single point of failure. Like I I need to prove to everybody I'm the smartest person in the room. Well, yeah. you could be a smart individual contributor, but how have you impacted the people you're supposed to be leading while you try to be the best individual? And, mm-hmm. and I think that's, for me, has been the biggest difference from a development standpoint that we were taught leaders at every level, how do we serve others? How are we being a resource to those that we've put, been put in charge of, right? Or those we're asking to follow us. Um, and so when the development side of you, um, when, when a CEO, when you're working with that senior leader, who for the better part of a career has done no mentoring, has done no coaching, has done no, no development of anybody behind them. What are some things that you start off talking with them about as it pertains to the identification and the development of a potential replacement for them? I mean, for somebody like that, I mean, realistically speaking, most, most of the, the people that I've worked with that fit that category, right? Those individuals tend to be very high in pride. They, they are very egocentric, if you will. And so the first thing that I like to bring up is, is reputation. Because you can talk about how great of a leader you are, but that doesn't mean anything in the long run. Because if you leave your role as a senior leader in this organization and everything crumbles basically because you didn't make sure that everything was good to go, People aren't going to say, okay, he was a great person. He was a great leader. The company suffered because they just weren't able to do anything. You know, it, it's, all on the, it's all on the organization, right? They're not going to say that. They're going to say he was a selfish executive, you know, who was willing to make sure that everything ran okay as long as he was the one in charge of it. But ultimately, when he left, he left the entire organization in shambles. He didn't make sure the proper succession planning was in place. He didn't make sure that the processes were in place uh, for him to transition out of there. He didn't make sure that the people knew what they were doing. He didn't make sure that there was an information flow versus an information procurement system set up. You know, he basically just kind of left them high and dry and destroyed the organization on his way out the door. So it's going to be a hit to their reputation. It's going to be a hit to their credibility, to their ability to partner with organizations to be to be able to be an actual partner with anybody period because somebody that holds that selfish mentality that hold on to mentality unfortunately you know you can do great but you know it's like they used to in the military what was one of the most infamous things that you know leaders used to say you can do a million things right you do one thing wrong and it can all be washed away yeah, and it's almost like, um, and, and what's coming up for me in, in that sense as well is, again, for so many years, and again, throughout the course of a career, they've gotten promoted for how smart they were. They've gotten promoted mm-hmm. for how how much they, they could pontificate um, in the charisma and all these things, right? But when you really think about it, um, leaders, regardless of level, begin with the end in mind. Right at the end of the day, um, and I just had a conversation earlier um, with my, my wife about something like this. At the end of the day, when we're when we're seventy years old, what's the story you want somebody to tell about you? Right? Was it that 
you know, you were the best thing since sliced bread while you were there. But like to your point, okay, and once you're gone, everybody's like, oh my God, the bottom fell out. <laughs> like they're like, really? He only had this thing held together with glue? Like that's all that was keeping us together. And so when we think about and, and we we live and we do business, beginning with the end in mind, it was like at the end of the day, how do I want to leave this place? And again, there's there's these statements out there. That, that we grew up with in military is like, you know, leave an organization better than you found it, right? And, and that mentality is like, where did that go? Like, is that not a thing anymore? <laughs> like, leave the organization better than you. And for us, that meant I need to have, make sure my folks are trained, my folks are confident about their ability to do their jobs well. In the absence of me, that's, I was trying to get my people trained so fast so I could go, I could just go, I could play hooky. That's, that's all I was trying to do. I was like, look, I want to give this to y'all so fast. And I want y'all to prove to everybody that you're so competent that you, you work me out of a job. Like that was my mentality. Like I want to go sit somewhere or I want to go work on something different. It helps me be creative and innovative if I don't have to worry about the day to day because y'all got it. And so when you think about just from a development standpoint, to develop a leader, right? When you put a time frame on it, what type of time investment does it, does it need to take a leader to begin developing for things to become innate to them? Well, I, I mean, that's actually a really good question because it's not about time. I mean, the more time that passes, the more things are going to change. Okay. Uh, you know, 35 year old you is going to feel much differently about the world than 20 year old you. And so, you know, and even for me, you know, 34 year old me, I, I don't see things the way that I saw them at the age, you know, of 24. So, you know, we're going to, we're going to grow in our experiences. We're going to grow in our, our life lessons and the wisdom that, that is passed down to us and the information that we obtain and uh, a lot of the things that we piece together that, that ultimately just continue to make us who we are. But instead of looking at it as, as a time span, because you're going you're gonna to go through a continuous growth pattern, you're going to continuously be learning something new about yourself and those around you, it, it's more about repetition. And more about doing the look at who you are and what you're doing. So, you know, usually what I like to say is that typically for anybody who is a leader or somebody who's a high potential, you should be evaluating yourself before you're getting ready to take over a new role or, or when you know, I want to go to that next step. I want to make that next step in the vertical progression of my career. And then you should be evaluating yourself once you're actually in that new role. Uh, and then from there, it's really just about trying to maintain, you know, sustain yourself, make sure that you're getting better at it, really kind of honing in on, on building those talents, solidifying those talents, solidifying your, your expertise in those areas. And then once you know that you've gotten comfortable, and that's the thing, once you've gotten comfortable and, and you feel confident completely, in what you're doing, that's when you know, hey, you know, I think it's time for me to start looking into what do I really need in order to get to that next step? 
So it's not necessarily about time as much as it is about the repetition and about the timing of when you're choosing to do certain things for yourself in terms of, of being developed as a leader. Yeah. Uh, you know, because repetition is always going to be a big thing. That's, that's behavioral change. Mm-hmm. So the more times that you do it, the easier it is. Military. You know, you, you don't learn how to do things by just doing an exercise one time. Mm-hmm. That's not how the military does it. They will make you absolutely sick to your stomach with the number of times they will run drills mm-hmm. over and over and over again. But it's, it's like you said, it, it becomes that muscle memory. You know what to do as soon as it goes off. As soon as you hear that sound, as soon as you see that action or you see that reaction, you know what to do, you know how to respond, and you just, it just takes over. But it's the same thing as, you know, for being a leader. You have to allow yourself the opportunities to repeat actions, to repeat steps over and over and over again so that you get more comfortable with it, more confident in it, you know. And a lot of times, a lot of these things that people have to learn, biggest issue I see is that, they attach them to things that are very circumstantial, like only in the event of this, or only if I'm doing a presentation with a salesperson, or if I'm doing a presentation with a client, or I'm doing a presentation with, you know, my superiors. They don't look at things that happen every day in the day-to-day operations that are essentially the same thing, but because it doesn't feel like the same thing, because it might be a friend instead of a coworker, or it might be a coworker instead of a boss. They don't look at it that way. So they don't practice it. But if they practice it and they did it over and over, uh, we'd have a lot easier time in helping leaders to continue to develop and, and obtain what it is that they need in order to become not just better leaders, you know, but uh, essentially to become better educators. Yeah. I love that, man, because, it, again, I always tell people, you know, practice makes permanent, not perfect. And, and, and when you have knowledge of what right looks like, the, the transaction is in the doing, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know it to be a thing, but how often are you practicing it, right? That's why I always tell people when I, one, when I find out what your values are, can you tell me and describe it in story form? Because it's a lifestyle. Right. And when I, I know what's true for someone in the way that they connect the dots to things. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and particularly around development. Right. It, I, I love you. I, I love conferences. Why? Because they love absorbing information. Right. But then you ask them and you're like, man, your life's in shambles. <laughs> like, what, are you, what are you doing with all that information you just collected? <laughs> and it's just like I, you just they, they're the person with guides on their shelves. They got dust on them because they've been to every conference from here to Timbuktu, but there's no practical application of how did, how is this true for me? How am I using this information um, to, to make my team better, to make me better um, so that we can actually just be better. And I love your example of the person who attaches to the situation, they show up for that, but then they don't have any good daily habits. They, they haven't been working that muscle of what is it? Okay, yeah, you show up for that meeting, but how do you prepare for that meeting? The pre- mm-hmm. preparation is day to day, right? And I and I love um, you, you'll love this one, Allen Iverson. Practice, practice. We talk about practice. 
like it, that and, and what people the context in which he said it it's this is Allen Iverson after MVP seasons after NBA final seasons and him giving of his body so at that point Allen Iverson the Allen Iverson who said that that's not high school Allen Iverson that's been in the league for double digit years Allen Iverson where he has hours upon hours in the gym bouncing a ball he had a <laughs> lifetime of career by the time he made that comment and he was getting beat up for making it like we talking about probably, no he he plays all out right that was his like his the comment and the the emotion in that is like i've developed my entire career for these moments like it, this just didn't start today like he is from youth ball all the way to that point <laughs> like people like they discounted the first 20 years of his life where he had blood, sweat, and tears in a gym, right? Be, and, and so for, for us, being in a place that we're at, when you talk to a leader, right, and they say, and you go in there as a coach, wh- why, is, why is coaching necessary for people? Well, I mean, look at sports. I mean, I, I think it's the easiest to relate to because – you know, those players, they get on the field, they get on the basketball court or they get out, you know, wherever it is that, that their game exists, right? You know, they get out there and they do their things and they have the ability. They have the ability to see what's going on. They have the ability to kind of read the defense or, or read the offense and, and kind of see what they're trying to do and what's going on. But they're not necessarily always paying attention to what they're personally doing. You know, uh, golf, I, I love, I love golf, right? Because a lot of times golfers, you know, they get into it, they kind of, they, they start doing their thing, but it's so easy for them to fall into a bad habit and never even know it. They don't even see what they're doing when they bend their knee a little too much or when they allow their, their knees to lock out or if they drop their shoulder, you know, it's, it's a coach's job help people to see things and to talk to them about those things openly, honestly, and bringing that level of vulnerability to say, listen, things could be a little bit better if maybe you tried this. You know, you're really strong in this area. And and as a coach, we like to talk about the strengths. We like to talk about a lot of the things that you already do really well. Because what I like to do as a coach is I like to talk about the mindset of that strength. I don't like to talk about the strength itself. You know, it's like, it's like a a quarterback, right? Who's got a really strong arm, but really isn't all that good at running. And so you tell them, well, do what you do whenever you're, you're working out your arm, you know, so that you can get better at being a runner, but it doesn't work that way. You have to look at the mindset of that strength. How do you prepare yourself for that workout on your arms? How do you, what do you do before you go into the gym to do that? What are, what are you thinking about in the process of doing that workout? What are you visualizing? Because most of the time the actions can be, can be the same, but if the mindset isn't the same, then the results won't be the same. You have to have both pieces of that puzzle lining up so that you can get the right results. And so that's where I kind of think that, you know, that whole thing exists essentially for, uh, for a lot of people. But I mean, again, that's just my opinion. 
<laughs> I I love I love the the mindset of the strength, right? Because because not many people create awareness around why they're good at a thing, mm-hmm. right? It's it's just it's one of those, I'm just born with it, right? <laughs> like that's a kind of, you know it just it just comes to me, like why and when did you know that it just comes to you, right? And you and, and again a coach. I, I always tell people, um, and I have I have three full different powerful questions books. Um, I'm like, a coach is there to ask the right question, the necessary question, not necessarily in a life changing powerful question, right? Like, I what is the mindset behind why you do a thing, right? And just to let people, and then like the power of shut up as a coach like that's why i love coaching like it's like once i found out i was supposed to be talking less i was like oh yeah i guess i should be it's their session it's, it's discovery for them and i love that from a discovery standpoint because like you said a lot of times that fear is wrapped in they don't know what life looks like outside of a strength or outside of a position and outside of a role. So I love the work that you do with senior leaders is because a lot of times, again, being that single point of failure or that island of excellence was rewarded. And so again, if you were keep being rewarded for being the smartest person in the room, but then you're a has-been because you didn't develop anybody behind you, that could become jarring for someone that is, that is in the world of transition to now think like, what do you mean? Why, who did I develop behind me? When, when was I ever taught that, right? And to have that assumption that if people even know how to do it, right? And that's a generational conversation. And I love having that conversation because you had a traditionalist, then you had the baby boomers who we, and we're, we're raised by them. And so it was head down, work hard. When was their time for development, mentorship, sponsorship? It, like, like, oh, I was supposed to be doing that? Who was I supposed to be getting it from? Nobody volunteered for that. You got to go find your mentor. Huh? Right? And, and so I love, that's why I love coaching. And I love coaches like you who, like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to stand in the gap during your development. So, so you know what to do. So when you work, when, how can clients connect with you? How do they find you? Uh, so, I mean, obviously you can go to the website, uh, which is just www.executive dash panel.com uh and you know of course i'm on linkedin uh so you know you can find me on linkedin at any point in time uh between the company the executive panel llc and you know myself uh you know of course i'm connected to you so they can always reach out to you um but you know those are typically the the most suitable ways to find me uh, of course you know email phone those are also great ways, uh, which I, I can make sure to, to provide that. Good stuff, Kurt. Um, give me one nugget, one nugget. If, if an executive and a leader is out there, somebody was like, they're looking to bring you in for support. What one nugget of what it feels like to work with you? Uh, so, uh, you know, I would say one nugget. Uh, of what it feels like to work with me or something that I would, I would say to somebody Boom. That that's one. looking to, to, there you go. to find that someone. One. 
What I would probably say is very simply put, you know, a, a statement that I like to make is that your choice creates your results. And as an executive coach, my job, my choice is to make sure that my clients are going to get the best results that they can. Uh, but the only way that that happens is by enabling my clients uh, to see that, you know, hey, your choices are going to create your results. And if what you're looking for is sustainable growth, then it's, a, it's something you can accomplish. Uh, but if you feel like you're just going to be able to kind of work through something, get those short-term results, and that's going to create long-term results, the short-term gain is not, is not the best way to try to find that long-term impact because it's a series of short-term gains that create the long-term impact. Again, we're going back to choices equaling results. You know, it's like I tell people, if you really want to accomplish something, you have to look at the objective. The objective is your overall goal. That's the, that's the big picture item, right? And then your goals, your individual goals, those are the steps that you're going to take to get there. But each goal, each step, is going to be its own individual victory. But then you got to move on to the next and then move on to the next. And then eventually you get there. But a lot of times organizations, what I see is that they get so concentrated on that short-term goal. We need to, you know, we need to increase revenue or we need to reduce cost or we need to improve our, our technolo technological capabilities. You get so consumed on things in a short-term view perspective that they forget that what they choose to do in that short term is going to impact that long-term desire, that long-term goal or objective that they have. And so for people that do work with me, uh, I don't let them lose sight of that. I don't let them, I don't let them run away from the vision that they let me have because I'm an accountability partner every step of the way. That's my job as a coach. You know, that's another part that I, you know, that I, I'm very proud of. I'm here to hold you accountable, even when no one else will. Love it, man. I love it. I love it. So, um, folks, I'm going to make sure you know exactly how to find <laughs> Curtis Smith so he can make sure he holds you accountable and y'all create a partnership that is long-lasting for you to hit the goals that you said you wanted, and he's going to hold you accountable. <laughs> All right, friends, until next time. Thank you, Mr. Smith. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was an absolute pleasure to be with you again, Lawrence. All right. Thank you for tuning in today to this episode of Hot Takes. Please be sure to explore the library for other amazing interviews. Until next time, actions over ideas always win.